Okay. Quick hello, we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Emilia, Giorgio, Scan, Jason, Bernard. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. You promised to do that. That was absolutely amazing. And swingy jazz kind of style, what's that? Uh, yeah, a bit. Thank you. Absolutely delightful. And lovely hearing somebody sing the song to me for once. Um, thank you so much for being with us, Emilia. I wanted to say one thing before we start. I thought metaverse was this kind of catchphrase, this kind of quick, uh, exciting new thing that was being used as a, a tagline. Mm -hmm. And you're saying no, and I've looked into it, and it's astonishing how much I've missed by just thinking, oh, it's a tagline. And as he said, Meta, uh, Facebook have changed the metaverse. Why would a multi-billion dollar company change their name to some stupid tagline? It obviously has big legs and it's obviously the future. Um, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I got absolutely. it wrong, obviously. I mean, <laughs> the privilege that big companies have compared to us bare mortals is that they uh, have access to vast uh, data that it's available to them to support their hypotheses. And in this case, having in mind that Instagram works well with video content and uh, visual content that it's uh, immersed, uh, that it's interesting and engaging. Now, I think that it's a logical step that uh, Facebook did. Maybe not to an extent to rebrand the whole company from Facebook to Hello Sylvia to Meta, <laughs> but still, uh, in any case, it's a bold move. And I think that considering the trends, and I will show some statistics during my presentation, it's something that it's expected in a certain way. Brilliant. And I was talking to Andrea just before, who was showing me the schema markup. He was showing me the 3D hippopotamus um, on Android phones. Uh, and literally, I saw all this about half an hour ago, and I'm suddenly even more excited to, to hear <laughs> what you have to share. So do you want to share your screen? And we're going to go through a 20-minute presentation. Anybody <laughs> out there who has a question, and I'm, I certainly have a big long list that I've been compiling the last half an hour, uh, pop your questions in the comment section. I'll put them up on screen. Uh, once we're into the conversation, we will have a 20-minute presentation by Emilia, then we will have a conversation, including your questions and some of my questions too. Um, are you having trouble sharing? Yeah, yeah. I just hey, shared go. my uh, presentation. Okay. Uh, Ready to go. Do you see it on your side? Is everything okay? The classic everything. question that everybody asks. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Okay. And it, it's 100% we can see it. Uh, you can just click on the hide text yeah, to get yeah, rid yeah. of that sure, little sure, sure. bar at the book. Okay. And it sits over to you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here and to talk about SEO in the metaverse. Basically, what are we going to share in the next uh, 20 minutes is some lessons that we learned from computer vision and video and uh, knowledge that uh, gain some knowledge that we can apply to metaverse. I want to say thanks to my wonderful colleagues and my mentor and boss, Andrea, who gave me this wonderful opportunity. And big thanks to you, Jason, because I was following uh, your work for quite some time, and uh, it's an honor to have this discussion with you today. Okay, so uh, a quick introduction about me. My name is Emilia Dorjevska. I work as a senior VIP, SEO and machine learning specialist at Warlift. My background, my formal background actually, is in computer science, but I do have some other skills, in product, in marketing, content, in research, and I use 
his uh, skill set to solve problems at the current company and, of course, for previous company that, has, that I've worked with. Okay, so <clears throat> if we see uh, how online marketers were spending their time to optimize readers' content in the past two or three decades, we can see that we started with keywords, right? And then uh, that lasted for some time until we got to the phase of optimizing the entities. At least I hope so that online audiences can find our services, experiences, and products online. But it seems that uh, stuff are changing because uh, if we use Google Trends, the tool for SEO research provided by Google from 2004 when it was publicly announced, up until this very day, 2022, we can see that um, the term search term metaverse is kind of trending in the last two years, even though I must admit that there's a slight um, line between 2021 and 2022, but still the interest is very, very high. And I can uh, definitely, we can definitely witness that there are definitely a lot of plenty Google update algorithms that are raising the SEO bars and they're making it very hard to meet the constantly evolving trends of the standard uh, the online researchers have. So how that is going to reflect to us in the metaverse. But let's see some statistics. 36% of the U.S. adults said that they're interested in the metaverse or that they heard a lot or something about the metaverse. Virtual reality experts are predicting that around 60 billion people are going to use virtual reality and augmented reality in the United States at least once a month in the upcoming years. Could, uh, there's some statistics provided by Google News and Twitter and Instagram. So, for example, when it comes to Google News, we can see that 175,000 search results uh, appear for the keyword metaverse news. On Twitter, the hashtag metaverse got around, I don't know, like 500 plus minus tweets on an hour. And Instagram shows more than 43k posts. But what is more interesting is that uh, the creator of Epic Games, uh, the creator of Fortnite, for example, Epic Games announced that they are going to convert their gaming experience from a typical game environment that is happening um, on a computer to a metaverse experiences. Metaverse experience, uh, the government of Seoul announced that they're going to invest in a national metaverse platform and also Dubai announced similar plans that are going to follow the trend. And what is even more interesting, we know that Facebook uh, rebranded their whole company to Meta. And like I said, they definitely have the data to back uh, their hypothesis that it's definitely worth to invest in that direction. So interesting times are ahead of us. Now, how does that look like? This is a video that uh, uh, I'm intentionally going to mute the video just to see the whole Metaverse experience that Mark Zuckerberg published uh, today on his official uh, Facebook uh, page. So this is how the Metaverse looked like for those who didn't have the chance to immerse themselves in the Metaverse world. It's definitely engaging, it's definitely interesting, and definitely fairly complex. Why? They're going to see the upcoming slides. Now, it's a bit uh, fun to talk about metaverse if we don't talk about the current advancement on the topic of visual search and um, advancements on the visual representation field. Uh, there are definitely two algorithms that are worth uh, considering because the deep learning revolutionized computer vision. The first model is uh, DALLE, and that's basically what we're doing here. Uh, it's um, Providing uh, text uh, text representation to the model, and what the model is trying to do here, um, which is uh, which acts like a black box, is trying to generate 
a visual representation of what we provided to, to the model. So basically, if our uh, textual representation is for great cats, we are going to get this uh, generated representation as shown on the screen. Uh, for those who are a bit more advanced, um, D-I-L-L-E, it's a neural network which creates images for text captions uh, for a wide range of concepts that are ex expressible in natural language. And this is a 12 billion parameter version of GPT-3 trained to generate images from text description using a data set of text pairs. But this is for advanced research, of course. And the second model here is CLIP, uh, which stands for Contrastive Language Image Pre-Training. Basically, it does the opposite of the first model. So basically, when we are providing an image, it tries to generate a description. So, for example, if we provided this image to the model, what we're going to back, uh, get back is for gray cats. Andrea definitely experimented with this in the past. So um, there are some challenges by using this model. For example, boring pastry is challenging to win with models that have one, one trillion parameters because there's still some work waiting to be done in that field. Now, there is a premise that we believe on uh, here at WordLift and, uh, of course, revolving their past work before I was hired to the company, that marketing is the generous act of helping other people achieve their goals and also an opportunity to serve. So that is why we always share our experiments and scripts online with the community because we want to help people advance. Uh, the current experiments are connecting computer vision, images, and videos so that we can use these learnings to optimize for the metaverse world. The first experiment that we did is uh, the Swiss raclette uh, experiment. So basically, what we are doing here is trying to really uh, search on Instagram for Swiss Raclette. And we carefully picked the uh, multiple videos that uh, involve Swiss Raclette from multiple angles, but also combined with different ingredients. They are typical for Swiss Raclette, which is a traditional Swiss dish. In this case, we are combining it with ingredients such as potatoes, breads, onions, cucumbers, and meat. And we are showing this from different angles, of course, with also some audio elements like forks, uh, sounds of forks, uh, knives, uh, uh, spoons, and in general, some restaurant sounds. And based on these videos that we selected uh, by using our knowledge in computer vision, like I said, uh, different ingredients from different angles and different setups, we combined all these videos into a single video sequence, visual representation, that lasted around half a minute or 40 seconds, and we uploaded this video to YouTube. Now, what is so special about this video experiment is that we did not use any traditional search engine optimization tactic to optimize for. Now, when I say that, I mean that the video did not have any tags, There's, there are no comments, no shares, no description, no campaign, no user signals. We definitely did not have language setting, no captions, and uh, undefined location. Although all of the stuff that you see on the screen that they're basically lacking, and those are intentionally done in this way because we wanted to isolate the effect for, for all this stuff uh, to see how far the video can get just by using our knowledge from computer vision. We, to be fair, we gave a simple file name. The video is uh, named for CLED. And um, we have good objects uh, in the video, we have a good title, but the general approach is like applying computer science knowledge to video to see how far it can get. Now, this is just a screenshot of my YouTube channel so that you can be sure that we definitely uh, didn't implement 
uh, any of this stuff, like I said, to isolate the effect and see how far the video can get. And on the following screen, we can see that in the first phase, the video managed to get around 489 views, uh, but up to this day, it has around 700 views. Um, around 50% of it came as a result of suggested videos, around 20% of it came as a result of shorts, uh, which is part of the short section on, on YouTube. Browse features around 13% and YouTube search around 8%. So if you summarize all of them together, you can see that over 93% came as a result from search features. So that's the success of the experiment that we managed to show here. Just by using the knowledge that we have from computer vision and not doing any other type of typical uh, video optimization uh, uh, technique uh, for SEO that we usually see on blogs and so on. Now, why is this important? This is very important because architecting for video frames and um, engineering a smart environment setup is the content optimization for visual experiences, for videos, for images, for visual experiences of the future, like the metaverse. And uh, why that matters? It matters because we have a full control in our content creation process. You cannot re-optimize your visual representation afterward or write a better description for your metaverse world or your video or your image for ranking because Google will ignore them right away or it will do that over time. And I can give a simple analogy here. For example, sometimes in a situation with my boyfriend that is happening, we eat together and I say to him, okay, honey, can you please wash the dishes once we are done? And she says, of course, yes, I'm going to do that for you. And eventually he forgets to do it. So it's one thing what people say that they are going to do. It's completely another you know, thing what they're actually doing. The same is with Google. It's one thing what we are saying to Google that we are going to do, but completely another what kind of objects, what kind of uh, video environments we are providing to the, its algorithms and so on. Ideally, our goal uh, for all marketers should be to build or want to build stuff that are going to last because it's cheaper to architect the video environment beforehand versus bringing a whole team to produce a new video story, a new video uh, sequence and promote it again, all over again. Now, to be fair here, we need to be careful about these things because um, what we're trying here is trying to mimic Google uh, behavior, but uh, by using non-technologies or non-algorithms that are available in the computer vision field here or generally in the computer science world. Um, but in any case, that does not mean that we are equal to them because Google has a lot of data and engineering resources that we, of course, cannot get or implement. So there is a paradox. But on one side, we need to assume that everything can be detected and identified. But at the same time, if we don't do a good job to be clear in our visual representations, that we can also assume that everything can be misinterpreted or inappropriately tagged or classified. Sometimes because video uh, experiences and visual experiences like the metaverse world are complex and create, have a lot of create, uh, creativity, then the story behind the visual representation won't allow optimizing for objects. Of course, you cannot uh, put a lot of objects to a single visual representation itself, so you need to be, be um, very of that fact as well. 
Now everything matters. I'm not saying that if you upload a video or you or you have a metaverse experiences with which people like in a certain way, uh, come to immerse with you and uh, you have likes and comments. That does matter a lot. However, however, the rich other audiences without the solid basis that focuses on how this visual representation is created definitely is the method. We have the best chances to achieve our goals if we care about both aspects or time. Uh, what I personally like about this approach is that it's applicable to all social media platforms. I mean, when you care about uh, objects and visual representations in your videos and metaverse experiences, yeah, they're basically holding, uh, following the same logic on every social platform or online experiences. That it's true for Instagram, for Facebook, for Twitter, uh, for the metaverse, uh, for the YouTube. So basically, the way they understand these visual experiences is by using uh, some sort of algorithms like we showed before and some logic similar to it, like we showed before as well. The second experiment that we uh, showed here is using the you only look once. Uh, experiment. So basically, uh, you only look once uh, for those who are a bit more advanced as a state-of-the-art real-time object, uh, object detection system. So basically, uh, it works with classes. A class is something like person, like Apple, like TV, like car, and so on. And we have 80 uh, classes uh, that belong to this um, algorithm. The uh, YOLO, uh, it's a pre-trained uh, pre model of convolutional neural network that is able to detect pre-trained classes, like I mentioned before, including the data set from COCO and VOC. That's a bit more advanced um, description. Uh, the simple one is that you're trying to provide a video sequence to the algorithm, and it's trying to detect objects that belong to the 80 classes um, that I explained before. So what we did here, um, we searched for a video sequence that is um, containing, that is full of objects, that is rich with objects, but at the same time uh, does not have great length uh, to be up to three minutes because uh, the processing power, uh, the compute power needed to process video is huge. So we wanted to make something simple so that uh, we can see the initial results and the video for multiple split in the SEO myth posting series uh, was good enough for our case. And what we noticed here is that the algorithm detected part of Martin Hare's to be uh, classified as ample with the probability confidence of over 40%. Now, these are also different screenshots from the uh, video, uh, like uh, it detects the, 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 the Martin's face to be a person, but with the great confidence of also over 50% uh, probability value uh, that the lamp here and behind is a person. So this clearly indicates that these algorithms sometimes are doing a bad job, even though they are very simple to implement. So definitely that's something uh, complex than this. It's sometimes that they're doing mistakes that we cannot afford for us to happen because understanding the visual uh, background is very important for us as a business. Now, the same happens with Roots, I believe, because the uh, item here behind her hat is classified to be a car. This is, I think it's a suitcase. I'm not very sure about this, but definitely definitely uh, something that, that it's not a car. So... What we are trying here is um, the way you 
you you can use this model is to download the pre-trained model YOLO H5 and upload to your Google Drive as well as set the path for your model. And of course, you need to download the video that you want to analyze uh, and upload it to Google Drive um, before running the analysis. We decided to analyze 20 frames per second. But like I said, please note that even a three-minute video can be complicated to process because processing videos and images requires great processing power. And what is interesting to note here is that um, if you work with uh, more complex uh, videos, longer videos, you would like ideally to remove some uh, part of the videos that are presenting duplicate images. So you can use the deduplicator image duplicator algorithm that is developed by the engineering team at Idealo, which is basically a Python package that eases the finding of exact or near duplicate images and image data set. Uh, this is the reason why we need to use the 3D model uh, schema markup, because like I showed you before, sometimes when you use algorithms to detect objects in images, it's um, they're making mistakes. So that is why we need to use the 3D schema model markup, which is also available on Word as well. I encourage you to uh, play with our tools and uh, subscribe to them because we mastered the concept of applying the 3D model schema markup very recently. Um, the required properties for 3D model are type, name and encoding, as well as the content URL and encoding format. So all of these media objects are available in the 3D schema markup uh, model that you're looking on the screen. Uh, the way we are doing it is, and we created this 3D model schema markup is by dealing with advanced custom fields. So when dealing with multiple schemas, it's good to have a tool that can do the initial mapping and then you can use for a newly created schema to apply it to new use cases. This is exactly what our tool does. So basically we're identifying the schema markup type in certain cases different than this. Uh, it can be a course, local business, location, store service, and so on. We can define its attributes, that's the power of WordLib. We can mark up the optional and required fields. We can confirm the mapping and then apply this uh, schema with the defined routes to upcoming specific cases that basically follow the same schema type that we created um, before. So more or less, uh, we need to understand that everything matters. Uh, the metaverse is interesting and all of these lessons that we basically showed to you in the previous slides are useful to understand how the future in the metaverse is going to look like. But it's important to understand that it still poses a great challenge to the world to advance in this direction because the processing power, like I said, that needs to be um, used to analyze all these visual experiences uh, is huge and we'll need the science to advance uh, in that direction. We also need quality data sets. So when you're engineering visual experiences, you will need to be very, very clear about what your, uh, what kind of objects and visual environments are you going to architect and develop around. And of course, one more thing that we have as a challenge um, in the computer vision world is that we are not having foundational models. So when it, uh, when we speak uh, about comparison to the NLP field between the computer's vision field and NLP field, we can notice there are already established foundational models for NLP. They are trained on tons of parameters like birds, transformers, GPT-3, GPT-2, 
and people can adapt them for different applications at domain. However, it's worth noting that these NLP models can be unsatisfactory because they don't possess uh, domain knowledge. However, when it comes to foundational computer vision knowledge, uh, we are going to see something in future. However, uh, however, uh, we are going to rely in any case more video than on images, so that's worth noting as well. Thank you for this presentation. Uh, it was an honor being part of this uh, webinar. So if you have any questions, please uh, write them down. I will be happy to, to answer. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I'd seen the slides. I'd read the article. There's a wonderful article on WordLift that everybody should read uh, that MDR wrote. And I thought I had kind of understood. And you've just expanded it maybe tenfold. Uh, in the space of 30 minutes. Oh, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I'm terribly, terribly keen on the topic and I'm really, really happy because in a few weeks when I have uh, Heba Ashur from um, Microsoft, from Bing, mm -hmm. uh, who is in the image and video algorithm team, and mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, we're going to get loads of insights there. So I'm going to bring all of this up and I'm incredibly keen. Now I've got one question really quickly is that Mina's merchant from Bing, who's the team lead for the image and video, um, was talking about the fact, or I was saying you must have such a cost to analyze mm -hmm. the images and the videos. You can't analyze them all. Therefore, there must be sampling. Yes. And he said, sure. no, they do analyze it all, but I can't believe they can do that with the cost that that implies. Yeah. So, um, I think that some of the techniques are going to be changed. So maybe like we spoke before, first what they are going to do or maybe will uh, cause reduction of costs is going to move from object detection to to uh, visual, to vector embeddings. Because uh, if we go to object detection, you will see that we'll need a large set of data set just for different object, objects that need to be processed. And in this way, if we are dealing with vector embeddings, what is a vector embedding? Basically, a computer cannot understand an image, cannot understand unstructured data like text, like image, like video. And what computers understand are numbers. So what we're trying to do here is to take an image or a video, translate it to a number. So basically, uh, we are going to talk about, we are talking about 3D experiences here. And uh, pictures and videos have uh, three values for RGB colors. So we can use them to translate into numbers that we can provide to the computer so that you, they can work with these embeddings in the future. And of course, we, we need to uh, have strong computers to do all the processing powers that we can um, exploit in order to make this uh, computer anal analysis running. That's my opinion on the topic. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I was talking to Ravi Yada, who uh, is now at Clarity, but he was in the image algorithm before. And I asked him about that, about moving to vectors. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, oh, you'll have to, you'll have to ask uh, 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 because it's incredible. And I hadn't thought about not only the pixel level, he was saying we break it down to pixels, mm -hmm. we analyze yeah, the pixels, absolutely. turn that into a vector space, but it's not just the pixels. It's the, the RGB color of the pixels color, as yes. well. So, mm -hmm. so it's a double, triple as it were. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I can, I can relate to that. And my question that he actually stopped me on was, can you then map that to word vectors, which they're all, all obviously using? Um, that might be not part of your 
uh, for doctors. Not sure how we can connect. Maybe if we use these models that can translate uh, a visual representation to text, yes. But it's still early uh, to say. We are, we are now experimenting with D-I-L-L-E, DALE, version 2 with Andrea. So definitely yeah. stick with uh, us for upcoming experiments. Maybe that can be a topic for another webinar because we are still <laughs> making some experiments on, on that field. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Right. So the answer is you have some good ideas, but I'll have yeah, to ask we have again a good in six idea. In, yeah, absolutely. We have a good idea in which direction that might go, uh, but we are still experimenting and I want us to keep the audience interested in your topic so that they can follow us in the other webinars. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, during a talk, this is my notes. I've taken all oh, notes. Oh, wow. Completely Amazing. unreadable. Um, <laughs> but we actually have a question here from Luca. What do you mean exactly with architecting video mm -hmm. frames? Are you referring to building a script in a special manner? No, you don't need a script. Basically, what I'm trying to uh, say here is that you need to be very careful about what kind of environment you're showing on your video. For example, like say that you're speaking about jobs. And you have an uh, environment where only one speaker is speaking on a table and that's it. Or maybe you're promoting, I don't know, even better an example, you're talking about homes and you have just a person speaking for five minutes uh, in front of a table. So you need more home elements around you. I mean, you want to catch the atmosphere around it mm. so that the algorithm can understand, okay, there's a table, there's there's a sofa, there are chairs, uh, there's, a, I don't know, maybe flowers. So something that it's typical for a home environment, not just something that the algorithm cannot grasp. So it will get granted grasp from the visual environment itself. So it, it should focus on this case on, I don't know, taking what you're saying in the video and analyzing the, the wording in, in your uh, textual representation, a voice representation. That's what I meant. I hope that this answer was clear enough for you. Yeah, no, that, that's a brilliant answer. I mean, it, it does indicate that the production values you need to have and the planning um, is incredibly important. I made a, a cartoon back in the noughties and we mm -hmm. did the storyboarding and that kind of the storyboarding process of deciding what you put in there to provide those visual clues mm -hmm. and then the sound on top. I hadn't thought that, of that. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth noting it and uh, thinking about it, even though what is interesting, though, we don't have a software on the market that is able to do this type of analysis for us, right? Like uh, to competitor analysis, for example, how how interesting can be that? Uh, or analyzing our own videos, what kind of item objects are missing uh, when it comes to analyzing home decor setups, for example. But yeah, yeah well, it's definitely it, worth uh, talking about it. I mean, which means we're, we, we have every um, motivation to analyze our own videos before Absolutely. pushing them out with Absolutely. the idea that we can, we can see to what extent Google might understand. But obviously, Google has much more in terms of resources and technology, and their algorithms are going to be way more advanced. So basically, if we can get it to understand, our, if, if we make a video that our relatively low-level algorithms can understand, Google's going to do a much better job. But Google still gets it wrong. 
I don't think that they're getting it wrong. I, I mean, you can play with the Vision uh, API because they become very uh, precise uh, at uh, their analysis nowadays. But uh, when we uh, planned this uh, presentation, we kind of hope that we are going to do something simple and effective while also keeping the cost for people lower or uh, not cost at all. I believe that they're good at analyzing their data sets, even though nowadays when you talk about visual analysis, it's not only the visual analysis itself, it's also about the audio, but that's fairly complex and maybe we are going in another direction, so I would do that for, for another occasion. Right. I'd and to, to the audience, if you want to ask questions, do. Until anybody asks additional questions, I will keep asking my questions because <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, well, one thing that I'd suddenly thought of, do you think that they're analyzing text that shows on the screen? If I put up a big, uh, uh, what, what do you call it, banner in the, in the screen, like the banner at the bottom, would they uh -huh. be reading that? So we had an experiment and one of my previous uh, companies uh, that I was working for, of course, I cannot disclose about which one was it, uh, where we uh, had the video architected specifically with textual representations in the background. And it turns out that by following the same logic, not involving anything else, uh, like in the Swiss recording experiment, Google did understood us based on the uh, text that was appearing. For example, some books in the background. So, of course, you need to have this book and book titles clear. So if you talk about jobs and then you have uh, some uh, job-related titles uh, in the books that are showing behind you, it can understand then some James Silver's doing, of course, people buy his book about the brand trips uh, <laughs> in the background that you usually post uh, behind. Yeah, it no, can understand that bad. as well. So, so yes. Right. Okay. Brilliant. I mean, which then kind of leads to the idea, and I show it, it, is that people will put these texts on screens in the hope that Google would just read um, mm -hmm. as they go through. But the next question is actually going beyond Google. You were mentioning the different social media platforms who are all doing the same thing. So I was talking to Lauren Baker a couple of years ago about repurposing. He was the one who introduced me to repurposing, mm -hmm. and I've gone with CaliCube a bit repurposing crazy. Uh, and repurposing is amazing, but that means if you plan this amazing video to start with, you can get all of these different machines to understand what you're doing. Yes, and that's the challenge. I mean, it was going for our social media team who are handling all of these uh, posts that they need to publish. For Twitter, you need to publish, I don't know, uh, one sentence description, for for example. Mm. For YouTube, you can also architect uh, all the, not architect, but actually provide all these time intervals between, I don't know, from minute one to minute two. This is what is happening from minute two to minute three. It's another topic and so on. And it was very complicated for them to keep up with all that work because it creates so much work on different fields and we were thinking about okay what will be true for us maybe in 10 years are we going to keep up optimizing in this way so how can we use this knowledge if 10 years from now uh, everything is going in this direction how can we use that knowledge to start working on it today and that is why we said okay it's definitely worth investing in because it eases the work plus it kind of follows the direction in which everything is slowly going right and you you mentioned as always kind of coming back in the production process and republishing a video obviously on youtube you have to publish the new video mm -hmm. but in mm -hmm. any case much more than articles on websites where you can just go in and change a few words if you want to optimize it a little bit better uh, yeah. to keep up yeah, with the algorithms yeah, yeah. in video it's done it's made it's there and doing those corrections is 
difficult, it, if not impossible. Yeah, so basically the only correction, yeah, it's impossible unless you re-upload a video or maybe upload a new video that will contain the old one with a new explanation, new fresh moment added to it. So basically it's impossible and it requires high costs. I remember uh, yeah. that I saw some serious uh, numbers when I was uh, checking the budgets uh, on the companies that I was working for and I was thinking, God, we invest so much money into video production and also hiring actors uh, to, to speak for us. They're especially if they're public people like influencers and so on and we don't uh, take care about this stuff and how is the environment organized around i mean this is some serious stuff with that we need to monitor and that we need to care about and uh, this is why we we decided to go uh this way right i mean it, i mean I, I made the tv series and it's just coming back to me it was a million euros for 250 minutes wow uh, yeah, it can um, be that big. And even slow commercials can take um, little money. And this is a very good point. Like you you reminded me, not just for SEO purposes, it's also for advertising those videos because really? what Google can understand better as long as we're providing good uh, environments, visual environments in behind. Even the, the ads and the whole ad process can go, uh, can be advanced if we do, do good work there. Right. Brilliant. I'm, oh, dearie me. I mean, I, I, this morning I was thinking, oh, um, what are they called? Key moments and chapters. Isn't that advanced? And no, <laughs> it, 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 it's child's play. Um, we have another question from the audience, uh, which I couldn't read small, so I've got no idea what it is. Luca again. Do you have an experiment planned related to SEO within decentralized worlds like Decentraland <laughs> or Sandbox? Uh, or this approach is only related to Google indexing? Oh, this is a great question. Thank you, Luca, for being so uh, so detailed on this one. Uh, unfortunately, for now, it's only on Google uh, that we experimented with because uh, the work and the clients that we were dealing with uh, found Google to be the most important for them. But this is definitely worth considering for our upcoming experiments. Uh, maybe you just gave me the idea of what can I write in our future article series. Thank you. I can definitely experiment with that. That's that's uh, absolutely brilliant, um, and we have a high from Shreedan as well. Uh, we had quite a lot of highs, which is really delightful. Um, if, we, if we come back um, before moving on to the three D <coughs> images, Andrea showed me the hippo, and I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Um, but going back, to, I think it was Dali, was it uh, with the yes, four cats? Yes. But we only saw three cats. Uh, yeah, so, so the model count. can uh, count up to three, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's not that advanced to understand how to create visual representations that are going past this number. So uh, not sure about DALL2, but because we are still doing these experiments, but the old model DALLE is not, it was not capable of doing this uh, counting. Right. Okay, because I mean, I, I remember somebody said it might have been Andrea, in fact, that, that NLP algorithms kind of count up to three. And what he was meaning is it's predictive. So if you feed the machine with song titles, for example, if you give it the word one, it won't say two, it will say one step beyond, mm -hmm. which is the madness song. Um, mm -hmm. But literally here we have machines that can't count to beyond three. 
So, like I said, there's still a big space for us to advance in the computer science world. It is not just related to counting. Like I said, we are still lacking even the foundational models because, and that's due to compute power. We also need the hardware that is able to handle all that processing. And I hope that in the upcoming years, we are going to uh, have more cheaper versions to deal with high, uh, to, to deal with high, uh, uh, what, what's the word in English that I'm searching for? Uh, large data sets and uh, great uh, data sets of images and videos that are waiting to be processed. So I really hope that everything will go uh, in a good direction here. Right. Yeah. I mean, given from from that perspective, I mean, it it will almost certainly since uh, Google and the other uh, big tech companies have been developing the technology that allows the, them to do the things that they wanted to do uh, with BigQuery, big data. Um, to build going from data lakes to data rivers, they basically said mm-hmm. we're going to create and develop the technology because we know where we're going. We just don't have the technology or the capacity to do it. Um, so in this case, presumably it's going to be the same if you've got Facebook and Google and Twitter. And- Google and Facebook are definitely the leaders on this field because Google has all these images from uh, the image search that we're talking about and all these videos on YouTube that they have been analyzing yeah. while yes. Facebook had into Instagram and all the visual experiences that they were learning from here. So it's very interesting to see who will going to lead in the way, even though Facebook are primarily... Um, not first, but uh, definitely going in that direction because, of course, they made a bold move to rebrand their whole company to Meta, and now they're even going to reward um, uh, metaverse experiences that are that people are going to find engaging. So that might be some sort of a ranking factor in future, maybe. Like um, how many people are going to be present in a certain metaverse world or, or visual space, and how many people will feel delighted from what. Uh, they're going to fight there, even though I'm not sure what kind of uh, uh, technology or feature maybe they're going to use to measure that um, in behind. Yeah, and and then and the 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 experiment you mentioned earlier on, where you managed to rank and get five four hundred something views and seven hundred now, uh, does yes. that suggest that Google or YouTube is analyzing every single video to some extent, but not necessarily to the full extent? I think that that might be true. Of course, this is a speculation because we're not Googlers and we are not allowed to, to, even though we were, maybe we are not going to, to, to know all these details in background. But I assume that definitely Google must do this, uh, in the background because, um, not just for understanding good videos like this, but also some abusive content. Uh, so uh, right. this is something that they need to be very careful because the experience provided to the end customers or end users needs to be seamless and delightful. So without proper analysis, because like I said, for example, I can take a video where somebody is abused and just upload it and said that it's a beautiful world of um flowers and what will my description mean compared to what it's exactly shown in the video that is why i believe that they're doing this type of analysis in the background right okay and and just pure speculation but as you were talking i was thinking it is also possible that because you gave it so little to go on in terms of tags and title description and so on Mm -hmm. that it analyzed more than it would otherwise analyze because you gave it little go on um as opposed to it analyzing absolutely every video but that's even worse speculation than the previous effort that I made. Um, my next question is all about the, the schema markup. I don't understand how the schema markup you showed on screen applies to a, a video that's going to have lots of different frames. Uh-huh. 
Okay, so basically, uh, like we saw from the experiment with Marder Split, we saw that even when we use some, okay, uh, you only look once algorithm was fairly simple, but we wanted to show how object detection works just enough several lines of code, which are, of course, um, available for copying uh, in my article for SEO in the Metaverse that you can find it on WordPress blog. Um, sometimes algorithms are making mistakes where detecting objects. And this is something that we want to avoid. So it's not uh, so easy to uh, do it by creating new video frame, but it's uh, okay if you use the 3D schema, a 3D model schema markup to say, okay, this time both 3D um, uh, objects are available in our uh, visual experience, and we can um, populate them with data for our 3D models. For example, what type of media objects is used what will be the content URL uh, to this um, uh, object and so on, and thank it in a simple uh, JSON-like object so that we can explain to search engines what is happening in the video and then provide it to, to, to them. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, can we move on to the hippo? Andrea was showing me the hippo earlier on, and on Android, if you... Um, search for Hippo on an Android 7.2, I think it is, or more, uh, it will have a button where you can actually just click on it or press on it, and it, it will show you a 3D Hippo. And I was having loads of fun with it. I thought, great, that's a Hippo, and I can look at a zebra. <laughs> and then Andrea then posted um, products as well, and that's where we're going, and I hadn't really thought that one through. Yes. So basically, what uh, why we care about computer vision? It's not just for ranking our videos, our images, and visual experiences, but also we are we are talking about commerce of the future. So basically, what uh, the algorithms I'm going to do is detect uh, some uh, items that are going to be for sale in the visual experiences in future, and now we want to help them understand uh, which visual items are represented in this visual. Uh, representation so that we can create this 3D schema markup objects and provide them to, to search engines. This is uh, something that we worked recently on with Wordlift and dedicated uh, a lot of time improving the 3D schema markup. So it's definitely a feature worth playing for. And I do encourage you to to, to try to, to uh, use it. Right. Okay. And, and today, in terms of products, uh, there are practical implementations. There are some companies that are implementing 3D modeling, presenting it and getting it into the Google results. Yes, I think that uh, the one they are dominating here, I saw that T-Mobile, T-Systems are doing 3D models of their uh, mobile items on their uh, official website. And of course, the gaming uh, world where you have a lot of items for the games that you can use and buy are definitely interesting. Uh, but those are the people who are actually will be leading in the 3D uh, space. So for now, uh, those are the companies that are dominating. We are yet to be, it's yet to be seen that, uh, yet to be seen other companies to follow, follow the process. But those who go first will definitely um, see all the benefits from it. Yeah, so the, you're saying, if I understand correctly, that the pra practical usage within Google search is minimal for the moment. Um, it's not minimal. Uh, it's just that uh, the 3D models, uh, 3D schema model uh, is something that become recently available for uh, implementing. 
And we are encouraging people to start uh, working in that direction because it will going to be something that will be mainstream in the future. Right. And how does the script 3D schema markup function? It's obviously, you were saying it's 3D markup. It's just like any other schema markup, just uh, helping uh, understand something from one structure data in a structured way. It's just intended for 3D uh, objects uh, that are present in the visual experiences that we're interacting with. Right. So, sorry. So it's it's like an image type or a video type. But it's yeah, a absolutely. That's a structured data. As opposed to, I, I had this kind of mad idea, I think, that you were describing the geo shape of it and giving it the coordinates so it could rebuild it, but it's not. It's no, you no, create no. The image. You're not oh, doing well. this for <laughs> No, I think I might have overthought it and got a bit overexcited kind of about where this might be going. Um, I mean, for, and kind of if we come back to the uh, videos and images, because I mean, that's more today. I mean, you think <laughs> we should prepare for the 3D modeling further down the line. But perhaps video is Well, we is already have video experiences. Like I showed uh, in the Marta Split uh, experiment, uh, everything can be misinterpreted in, misinterpreted in a certain Ooh. moment of time. So that is why we need to help uh, NGOs understand sometimes because we cannot deal with, uh, I don't know, in other, uh, other occasion, we will need, I don't know, how huge data sets uh, to train our models to be able to recognize all these objects correctly from different perspectives, different angles, different... Uh, set up night, day, and so on. So this is very hard to do it. And sometimes even Google will, will uh, struggle with it. Uh, maybe it's interesting to see now what the uh, pre-tier version of uh, Google Vision API can detect. And even then uh, recognize what mistakes Google is going to provide back and then use this knowledge to say, okay, uh, this is what Google, it's not capable of recognizing. So I will definitely proceed with using the 3D schema model markup because this is the way that I'm explaining for now uh, to search engines uh, what's seen on, what what's present in our visual experiences. Right. And you, you were mentioning the model you're using has 80 objects in it or 80 classes in it. Yeah, the YOLO, the you only look once uh, algorithm. It's the, the reason why we chose this is was the simplest of all and just a few lines of code. We wanted to show to the audience what can be done when it comes to object detection. And it has only 80 classes, which is fairly simple considered to the number of objects and the um, visual representations that are present in video. It's... Uh, Nothing, basically. We need something with, I don't know how many classes, but in any case, it's interesting that uh, it shows us some results in what direction this might go and what might be the challenges. Because uh, Google now masters text representation nowadays. It can understand everything from emotion to uh, okay. meaning uh, to semantic relatedness and everything. But when it comes to more complex experiences, more complex structured data like video and metaverse uh, visual experiences, that it will be a bit harder for them to understand uh, the environment. Right. I mean, just kind of that very short little uh, moment that you just described, it, we, I've gone from in my mind, okay, we've got the 80. Then we said, okay, every object in the world. Then we said every variant of that object in the yeah, world. Yeah, that's, that's, so you can see then combinatorics, we, oh, how many variations are we going to have there? So, yeah, right. But it, sorry, so I was, I was going even further down the rabbit hole because then it's every angle of every object. And then it's every frame in every video of each of these elements that I've just described 30 frames a second 
you talked about a three-minute video, an hour yeah, and a half and video. It's go, yeah, it goes exponentially. As you can see, it goes exponentially. So it's very, very, very complex to do it. But for now, and like I said, we don't even have the software nowadays to do this type of analysis, uh, not even for our own analysis, not for competitor analysis, but it's something that our experiments prove that there is a need for uh, something to be done on this front. And the two key points for the whole presentations was one, uh, take care for architecting your visual environment before hand to use the 3D schema markup, 3D model schema markup to provide uh, explanations to search engines to understand your unstructured data um, when it comes to image and video. We are not talking about text here. Right. I mean, and can I mean, just, we're, we're, we're going to be wrapping up. We've got about seven minutes left. Um, but I've obviously just gone down this rabbit hole of multiple variants and um uh, 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 an ever increasing number what's the word of of options i've lost my english language right now um that's all in the future and i have a tendency to kind of look at what's possible and immediately go there and start getting excited about what's five years down the line i know andrea gets terribly excited about things that are further down <laughs> the line if we bring it back to what's more practical today Oh, the word I was looking for was exponential. Mm -hmm. um, as as the whole thing goes exponentially, but practically today, what can we do for the metaverse, optimizing for the metaverse for all of these different machines? Uh, I mean, you you went through it earlier on, but can can you kind of conclude with uh, what it is we can do practically? Schema markup, planning uh, our videos, our images, and so on. Uh, well, like I said before, definitely are, those are going to be these two approaches that we, we mentioned before. Uh, be very careful about how we tell our visual stories, not just creatively, but also algorithmically in a way of um, that everything's clear. For example, the lamp above you, it's not fully shown. So if we do image recognition now or object recognition now, uh, it will not be understood by Google or any other search engine uh, because it's not fully shown, maybe. So really? care about telling your creative stories in an elegant, technical way by involving all the objects that are necessarily there and try to uh, use a schema markup that it's good enough uh, to explain your unstructured data and, of course, uh, try to develop a way uh, to promote your materials in the metaverse world and in the end provide great user experience because that's what what holds true nowadays. Right. I mean, we, you've just added in my brain two new exponential increases in complexity, one of which is fragments of objects like the light you mentioned, and the other yeah. is objects that um, cross over each other, like the mirror behind me. Yeah, the mirror, you can yes. see half of it. And in fact, that's even worse. If you look so at that my might be classified as clock. If you see, it has a round form. If you analyze the form, and that might be classified as a clock. So this is one reason why you need uh, to use schema markup because maybe Google will not see the numbers like one hour, two hours, and so on, but it will detect the form and misinterpret it. Misinterpret it. So that is why you it will be useful, for example, if this was an image that you use on your website or a video, maybe the video mm. that we're posting after this, uh, not conference, but webinar, uh, to provide Skittery schema markup on your uh, website that that object was this and that, for example. 
absolutely brilliant. And I kind of now thinking that obviously this is absolutely rubbish. I'm in a hotel room and setting out your background becomes phenomenally important, making sure that everything is clear, making sure that everything is relevant. We're looking at the relevancy again. Yeah, well, absolutely. For example, imagine yourself and what will that be for a user experience? Let's say that I'm looking for a car and I'm, or uh, I'm looking for, um, I don't know, uh, the current situation that I'm, uh, the, the situation that I'm currently in, for example, I want to change my phone and I'm searching for reviews on YouTube for phones. So what will happen if the reviewer does not actually show phones in the video? or actually show the exact model that I'm particularly interested in, or show some other interesting objects that are connected uh, with the funnel, like charger, or maybe agreement, or maybe, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, a mask, for example. This is something that we as users expect to see in the video, because that is why we are searching for these visual experiences. At the end, it all comes down to meeting uh, customer needs and creating value for the end user. Oh, I don't think I was going to say something else, but I don't think we could conclude it any better than that. You've just uh, nailed the conclusion. Uh, that was the most brilliant conversation or lesson that I've had uh, in an awfully long time. Um, that was absolutely brilliant, Amelia. And thank you thank to you everybody for watching. Um, as uh, uh, Andrea said before, this is amazing knowledge to be shared. It's astonishingly mind-blowing and I'm delighted. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, thank you, Amelia, for coming along. Do you want to sing the song together? Yeah, we can sing. sing. Yeah, yes, yeah, of course. So you sing my name, I'll sing yours. One, two, three. A quick goodbye. Good the show. show. Thank you, Amelia. <laughs> thank it doesn't you, work Jason. With <laughs> okay, there was a lag between the videos and uh, on my side and your side. Maybe that uh, messed up the things there, huh? It it did. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. Play, playing music online is is almost impossible because of that. Yeah. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for the ability to represent the women in tech SEO community here uh, as well. And thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to represent WorldLift and in the end, my own country, Macedonia, North Macedonia, where I come from. So thank you for everybody joining in. I hope that we, you learned something new and please stay tuned for upcoming webinars. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, that was amazing. Thank you to the audience. Um, astonishing insights from Amelia. Uh, I've just learned loads and my mind is blown and I probably won't sleep because I'll be thinking about (laughs) Metaverse. Thank you, everyone.